0: In Matthew chapter 13, uh, Jesus gives us what is traditionally called the parable of the sower. And this is the way it's recorded. Actually, this is true in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But in Mark's account, I'm sorry, in Matthew's account, chapter 13, verse 1, it says, On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some seed, I'm sorry, some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others, fell on good ground, and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, if we skip down in Matthew's account to verse 18, Jesus explains the parable for us. This is only one of two parables that Jesus explains in this way. But it says in verse 18, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. In the parable of the sower we see the three components that we have talked about in previous weeks as we've talked about the seed, the soil, and the sower. And the first three sermons we have focused on the seed, but this morning I want us to focus upon the soil because it is the focus of this particular parable. And, and many times, in fact, the words of Jesus Himself He calls this the parable of the sower. But I want you to understand that The amount of material that Jesus gives to the soils tells us that the point, the big idea of this parable is about the soil. So we're making a progression here as we look at the agricultural parables of Jesus as we talk about what it looks like for us to be sowers of the seed. And we're moving from the seed this morning to the soil and Sunday after next, we'll be moving to uh, the Sower. Jesus' point was about the four heart responses to the message of the kingdom. There are four responses. It it is described in uh, the soils. There's a couple things I want you to note, and I just want you to put this in your brain, and I'll come back to it at the end of the sermon. But there is a great multitude that hears this parable, okay? There's a great multitude. Just make a mental note of that. Actually, Mark's account tells us that uh, between verse 9 and verse 18, Jesus goes privately with the disciples, okay? So the explanation of the parable, and you need to also kind of put that in your mind, the explanation is given to the twelve, the inner circle of Jesus. Um, the parable is relatively simple. What Jesus was teaching is that there are four heart responses to the message. He, he was communicating this to the disciples. As you go and sow seed, know that there are going to be different responses to the message that you spread. The first is described by Um, the hard ground. Uh, This would have described the footpath between fields that had been walked by life and had become hard. And so as the sower goes out and sows, some of the seed um, is scattered upon the footpath. But because it's hard... It cannot penetrate, therefore the birds come and eat it. Jesus said this is what happens to the person, this is the first response, whose heart is hard and their mind is closed and the word has no effect in their lives. The enemy, Satan, comes and snatches it. There's no effect. There's no result in that seed that is scattered. Uh, The second is described as stony places and the idea here is not uh, so much that there are there are rocks in the soil what is described here is there were there are places where there was bedrock that there was a thin layer of uh, soil I know brother Daryl's a little too much at times Adeline I'm sorry Um, but in this second one there's just a thin layer of soil on top of 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 bedrock and so the roots cannot go down but it springs up but the problem is because there are no roots when the sun comes out and drought comes the plant withers. Jesus describes this second response as people who are shallow or superficial in their commitment maybe an initial positive response but there is no depth to them. So you have those first who have hardened hearts whose minds are closed. You have those who have maybe an an initial positive response to the message of the gospel, but because there is no depth that they do not last. The third he he describes as those seeds that were sown among the thorns, that even though they sprang up, that those thorn bushes uh, choke them out. Jesus describes people in this third response, heart response to the gospel message, as those who have an initial response, but the cares of life and the things of this world in time, life happens and it chokes out the gospel and there is no fruit. In fact, that's what he describes at the end, they become unfruitful there's a fourth response and it is the good soil and it is this the soil that the seed penetrates grows the roots go deep it grows and it produces fruit it's kind of interesting to me Jesus even describes it here it's like some will produce a hundredfold some sixtyfold Some 30-fold. Four responses. Heart responses to the gospel message. I would have you note that in all of those four, the seed is the same. But the results are different. There's a very simple truth that Jesus was teaching his followers to prepare them for the days to come and it was, there will be different responses to the gospel message as you sow it. And that, that's a pretty basic truth. Just know that as you scatter the seed, there are going to be different responses. And some will be like that first, who have hardened hearts. Some will be like the second with a shallow, superficial commitment. Some will spring up, but will be choked out By the cares of life, but some will grow and produce fruit a hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. It's kind of interesting that this was actually uh, what Jesus experienced in his ministry. No, no, Jesus is teaching them a parable about this life truth. This is what Jesus experienced in his three years. There were some that Jesus scattered the seed on. I would think of the Pharisees that fall in that first group whose hearts are heart and their minds are closed and the seed does not penetrate and immediately the enemy comes and snatches it out. There is no root. There is nothing that happens to that seed because their hearts hearts are hard. I I think Jesus describes the Pharisees as stiff-necked and hard-hearted. Um, I think there were others that fall in that second category in Jesus' ministry. We don't know this man's name, but in Luke 9, it says now, it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It's like, oh, you're interested in following me and you just need to know where we're staying tonight? It's like, there's really no commitment to where we're staying tonight. To follow me is just to follow me, okay? It it kind of implies from that story that that man who is unnamed, it's kind of like he kind of went, okay, thanks, anyhow, okay, good. Yeah, enjoy the little sermon you gave. Uh, I don't think I'm in. I think he's the man that had a shallow, superficial commitment. Uh, When I think of that third one, the person who is choked out by the cares of life, in Jesus' ministry, I think of the rich young ruler. In fact, it's described in one of the stories that this man who is, he's something. He has a certain reputation. He runs and falls down at the feet of Jesus. No, this dude is like, listen, I'm serious about this. Okay, I've really lowered myself. I've humbled myself to come and to acknowledge you as this rabbi. And there's this discussion about what does it take to get into heaven. And Jesus begins to talk. But eventually, eventually Jesus comes to the end. And he says, but there's only one thing that you lack. I just need you to go sell everything and come follow me. And the rich young ruler, he walks away. Because the cares of life had choked out the gospel message. Thankfully, there were some in Jesus' ministry that fell in the fourth category. I don't know, I would just say Simon Peter. Now, Simon Peter's a piece of work. We don't have time to tell all those stories. To think that somehow Simon Peter is like the fourth category in which, oh, the gospel was planted and he sprouted and all this fruit just started coming Mm, is an oversimplification of the story but I want you to know that eventually the seed that Jesus planted in Simon Peter's heart brought forth fruit so that uh, sometime after this story on the day of Pentecost Peter stands and preaches 3,000 people come to faith that day i mean peter's beyond the hundredfold (laughs) it gets into the thousands in simon peter's life jesus had all the responses that he describes in the parable of the soils Uh, i've seen this response in africa brother david other brother David, sister Cricket, oh, whoever else is—I don't know. I'm trying to think who else has been to Africa, but um, no. All of us have sat in that circle at night, and we've storied for several hours, and we've talked about the Scripture and Jesus to come to the end of that time, and to begin to press for a decision. And the interesting thing is they may not know a lot, but they begin to sense the pressure that there has to be a decision made. And All of us that have been have sat in that circle, and it will come down to that point, and literally there will be people who have sat there all night as you begin to press for commitment will just stand, and they will walk away out of the circle into the darkness. There will be some sitting in the circle that will laugh, there's another African response. I don't even... Oh, Mariah, I'm sorry. I, I'm probably... I start calling names. I get in trouble. Um, Chelsea, sorry. Thank you. I'm sorry. I have to... Yeah. Um, there's an African response when the Spirit is working on them. They they inhale. I, I can't even... It's... And um, I'm saying I've seen it. I've seen it as we share the gospel in Africa. I've seen these responses. I've seen it in my ministry. I don't even have time to tell stories today of those four uh, soils. But I I think of people that uh, fall in all four of those categories. Different heart responses to the gospel. Jesus taught his disciples that um, there's going to be a different response to the gospel. That's kind of the, that's the truth. That's what, that's what he's teaching. The question then becomes today, what, what, what what were the disciples supposed to do? Okay, Jesus, I get it. People are going to respond in different ways. What does that mean? What does that mean for us today? How do we respond to that truth that there's going, even though the seed is the same, there are going to be different responses and different results? Well I think, I, can, I think we can eliminate some of them. One of them would be that, well listen, if I'm out sowing seed and three of the four aren't going to bear any fruit, then I'm just giving up. I'm, I'm not going to cast any seed. I think sometimes that happens to us as Christians. We get the three out of four and we say, Well, the results aren't there. This really isn't working. I think this is just a statement of reality and truth that Jesus said, just know as you go. Know it was true for me, Jesus is saying. The three of the four aren't going to amount to anything. Obviously, the response of the disciples was not just to give up. I would say, secondly, uh, and I'm going to have to convince you of this one. I don't think the response to this, hear me, is that we have to choose where we plant the seeds. Stacy, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm I'm seeing all these African people up now, sorry, Alexa, is that you up there? I'm sorry, we got all kinds of Africa people up here. Um, Who? Kim, where's Kim? I'm sorry. See, this is, yeah, this is not in my notes. This is where I get in trouble. Amy, you're supposed to, no. Yeah, she, she's saying, no, oh, you're going to you're gonna have to take that one on your own. Um, I, I don't think the point of the parable is, oh, we have to decide what the good soil is and just make sure that we don't plant the seed anywhere but in the good soil. And here's the problem, here's the reason I say that, because then we become the judge of people's hearts. And and quite honestly, we can live life long enough that we can look at people and we can say, well, yeah, their heart is hard, Uh, they're very superficial in their commitment, or they got so much else going on in life, this is never going to work for them. But let me tell you this. Only Jesus knows what is in someone's heart. And, and I don't think he was teaching that uh, we have to choose what heart to plant the seed in. I, I would say one other thing is that uh, in the story, the direct application to us is that we are sowers. Let me make this point. We have to be careful that we don't press a parable uh, too far in its symbolism. And uh, an allegory, every element of an allegory has significance. A parable has one general truth. And I believe that one general truth for the parable of the sower or the soils is that there's going to be a different response to the gospel. I would say this though, we are not farmers, we are sowers. Let me ex- describe that. There might be one approach that you say, well, what this parable is teaching is we have to be the one who till up the soil, we have to eliminate the rocks, we have to eliminate the reed, the, the weeds, uh, the thorn bushes that are choking out life. The only theological problem I have with that. Is that Daryl Smith does not have the power to change someone's heart condition. I don't. But God does. I, I can, I, I look at this theologically and I've thought a lot about this this week. I do not have the power to determine whether someone's heart is hard or their commitment is shallow or they have. Thorn bushes in their life that are choking out the plants. It's not my job. It's not my responsibility. It's way above my pay grade to change someone's heart condition. Here's what I want to say to you today we are not judges of the soil. We are sowers of the seed. We are not judges of the soil. We are sowers of the seed. You see in my life if I begin to pass judgment based on what I can see then there are some going to be some people that i miss do you understand what i'm saying it's not my job my job in the story uh, it's not a farmer it's a sower the farmer would be one who would cultivate the field and he would see the process all the way through the direct application of the parable is you're not a farmer you're a sower It's almost as like like this guy was hired to do one thing. What do you do? You go out there, my field, go sow the seed. I believe it is the direct point of application for the disciples of Jesus that Jesus sat down and he taught. There's going to be a different response as you go out and sow the seed. Your responsibility is to sow the seed, not to judge the soil. But know that the response is going to be different. Um, in my first church one Sunday afternoon I went out um, I have a card if you're saying wow it's amazing you remember that story from 30 years ago we would go out door to door and we would write out cards and we would knock on doors and we would ask people who they were where they went to church and then we would engage them in a spiritual conversation in October of 1991, I went to 504 South Washington in Seymour, Texas. And I actually remember this one. Um, the screen door was closed, but the door to the house was open so you could it's it's pleasant weather. And I knock. There's a voice that comes from somewhere else in the house. Who is it? Oh, it's sunshine. <laughs> It's like, you know, you already get, you already get this sense. of Okay. Uh, there's a man's voice. Uh, Daryl Smith, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church, coming by just to visit with you. The man is irritated. Okay. This becomes an awkward conversation through a screen door for about five minutes. But I did get his information. I wrote it on a card. Terry Pettit. Um, he wasn't a member of a church. I checked that. But I wrote down his wife and his child goes to First Baptist Church there in Seymour. <laughs> I wrote below that lost. He was not interested in talking to me that day. Uh, he did describe to me that he was waiting on a kidney and pancreas pancreas transplant, and because I probably asked him, "Is there anything I can pray with you about?" And I I attempted. <laughs> to press the gospel into Terry Pettit's heart, but he was not having it that day. Um, but I wrote down his name and his card, and I shared the gospel as best I could before the other door slammed. But, um, no, he didn't slam that door, but he was, it was an awkward encounter through the screen door that day. Three weeks later, I'm looking in the Wichita Falls paper. When you're a pastor, you look at the obituaries in the morning, okay? I'm sorry. Terry Pettit. wait a second, Terry Pettit, Seymour, Texas. Services this week, First Baptist Church of Seymour. One of my friends was pastor there. And I saw him sometime after the funeral, I guess. Maybe before the funeral, I don't remember. He was Brother Tommy. I said, Brother Tommy, I "I see that you're doing the service for Terry Pettit. I, uh, I said, it's strange, but three weeks ago, I went by his house, and his, it, he was the only one home, and we had this conversation. And uh, This is what Brother told, Tommy told me. The next Sunday, they started revival services at First Baptist Seymour. And that Sunday night, not Sunday morning, Sunday night, Terry Pettit came with his wife and his child, and that night, Terry Pettit was saved. The week after I'd had that tough conversation through a screen door, a week after that, Terry Pettit had a stroke, slipped into a coma, and days later he died. But a week and a half before he'd given his life to Jesus. I would have looked at that encounter and went, "Ooh, that's some hard soil. That seed doesn't matter anything. I want you to know I do not have the power to change somebody's heart or their heart condition or their response to the gospel. It is my responsibility to sow the gospel. Let me tell you this, God has the power to take a heart that Daryl Smith maybe think is hard but soften it for the gospel because I don't know the condition of somebody's heart I don't care what it appears to me to be I remember somewhere around this time frame a lady by the name of Betty Holden uh, joined my church and I didn't really know Betty But she joined and she lived next door to some church members and she came one Sunday and she joined. And the next week she said, hey, would you come by and visit with my husband? Sure. This is what preachers do, right? I don't know her husband. I say to my young man who lives next door, hey, I'm going by, his name was Tot. He was a little dude. I mean, Shane, not like Zacchaeus little, but you know, Tot. Um, Tot was an old man. He was probably in his early 60s. That was a joke, yeah. Because <laughs> I was about 27 at the time. Todd was an old man, early 60s probably. Uh, it wasn't the years, it was the mileage <laughs> that had gotten Todd Holden. This dude was in bad shape. And uh, my guy that lived next door to him, I said, hey, Betty wanted me to come by and see Todd. And I could tell from his reaction, <laughs> <laughs> this could be a bit of a challenge. Like, really? Okay, well, good luck. I'll be praying for you. I'm not going with you. Uh, be praying for you from next door. Walked in the living room and Todd Holden has emphysema and he's on oxygen 24-7. He's, he's, he struggles to breathe even then. And I talked to Todd about his, um, his health conditions. And then I began to turn the corner because Todd's in bad health. The question is, sir, where are you going to spend eternity? And when I began to turn the corner to spiritual matters, I'll never forget it, Todd Holden. Let me just tell you, there's a good ending to this story, okay? I'm not going to tell sad stories today. Todd Holden says, hey, ho, 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 wait up there, preacher. Threw up the stop sign. And this is what Todd Holden said to me, you're butting your head up against an old stump. I've already plowed my row. I remember verbatim what Todd Holden said to me that day. Now that's a stop sign. That's a hard heart. And I said, okay. I, I'm sure I got a few more jabs in. Just a few. And it's like, okay. I just want you to know, Todd, though, you've got to know where you're going to spend it. You know, I probably just got some shots before, you know, he started throwing things at me or something. No, Betty was there. He was behaving himself. And uh, I prayed. I don't remember uh, if it was weeks or months. I don't remember. But one day, the phone rang. This is when we had phones in the houses. In the hallway. Anyhow, sorry, this is 30 years ago. Betty Holden on the phone. She simply said to me, Brother Darrell, Tot's ready. I said, I'll be right there. Had the opportunity to go to their house again. To that hard heart. Tot was ready. Uh, gave his life to Jesus that day. Um, Baptized the next Sunday. That's a whole other story. Um, Todd Holden in the oxi- with an oxygen tank going into the baptistry. But anyhow, bless his heart. But let me tell you, it made an impact on Todd Holden's family, our church, and our community. Todd died within the year. I'll introduce you someday when we get there, okay? Okay. And I close with this. There was a Sunday morning also in Seymour. I just thought of Seymour, Calvary Baptist stories. I, I'll close with this. But in that church, there were only there were three sections. There wasn't a middle aisle. And so when I gave the invitation, I stood there. But people stood and I couldn't always see. And as far as I could tell, nobody was coming. And so I closed in prayer. But as I slipped out to go down this aisle, to go to the back door, which we did back in those days... There is an old man with a cane walking back. And when somebody left, I didn't know this old man. Now, he was really an old man. He was 86, okay? Ben Jones. Uh, somebody told me that last verse in that invitation, Mr. Jones slipped out and he began to make his way, but he was he's old. He was on his cane. He was walking. I'd never seen this man before. And I closed in prayer. He's trying to get back to his feet, but he's so slow. I'm stop past him on the aisle. I'm thinking, oh, yeah. you talking about Pastor Fail? Oh my. But that morning, Ben Jones, 86 years of age, and his wife. We sat down after church. 86 years old. I need to make my peace with God. And Ben Jones gave his life to Jesus that day, was baptized the next Sunday. I say all that to say, we are not judges of the soil. We are sowers of the seed. There are going to be different responses. It's not your responsibility, not your job. Sow the seed. And what may appear to be hard hearts are those whom the, which the gospel will have no effect as far as we can tell. May be the very ones that God will take because God is the God who changes hearts. He changed the hard hearts to those who are good soil. He changes those who have a shallow commitment to those That the gospel goes deep into. And he takes those who have been raised among the thorn bushes. To outgrow those thorn bushes and produce fruit. Amen. Amen. If you'd stand with me this morning. I want to close in prayer. Thank you for being here today. We almost got out on time. It was real close. We just didn't quite make it. Uh, But I'm going to pray. No announcements at the end. You have a wonderful day. Love you mama. Father, today we uh, thank you for the gospel that was planted in our hearts, many of us by our mamas. Uh, And Father, I pray that as it finds the good soil of our hearts, that it would produce more seed. Father, I pray that we wouldn't take that seed and keep it to ourselves. But day by day, in our circles of influence that we would scatter that seed. And Father, you would bring about the miracle of producing new life. So Father, help us to be faithful. And we prayed in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.